Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome. The speaker series happens once a month. This will be part of our weekly Zoom meeting that happens every Friday night. If you would like to be a part of that meeting, you have to be female. And send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you would like to tell your story, please reach out to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. PA was in the rooms when I came in and um, she used her gravelly voice and told me what to do and gave me support and laughed and met me for coffee and we created this whole group of women and um you know we would meet at Lamad's before the thursday meeting and the sunday meeting and um just created this incredible bond um and i trust her and i know that she has really incredible um sobriety in uh, multiple programs and you know that if you listen to sober sisters that we do talk about our sobriety in more than one program um so i can't wait to hear her story and i'm very grateful and honored that you said yes um so this is pa hey everybody this is mg and i'm with pa and we're having to do a little bit of a do-over she talked on our podcast about a week and a half ago, and the audio quality was just not good. So she's here again today to tell her story. So I want to welcome PA. Yeah, thank you. I'm PA. I'm a sex and love addict and anorexic, and um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be of service. Um, well, I'll start pretty much from the start. My uh, mom and dad and myself we all lived in the in the bronx okay um i had an older brother and an older sister and at the age of 14 my brother came down with cancer and died rather quickly Uh, a couple of years after that my sister uh tried to commit suicide by jumping in front of a car um in a freeway and uh then it was me but um, first, I'll go back and tell you, it was a very um, <clears throat> abusive uh, family situation. My mother, my dad was like too love addicted to my mother that, um, uh, way too in love addicted to my mother that uh, my, my mother could do anything and my father wouldn't think anything's wrong. And uh, what she did was uh, she was very abusive physically and mentally. And the three of us would pretty much get it all the time. And uh, then my sister, then she clung on to my sister and then there was me at the end. And I got the bump end of it. And so when I was about 13 years old, I decided I'm going to make sure I get out of this house when when I go ahead and I graduated high school. In the meantime, before that, like at about age 11, I started doing drugs and drinking and drinking was the first thing, but it, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know how to, how to deal with my mother's uh, abuse and uh, the abandonment I had from her and the rejection, everything that she did, she rejected everything I, 
I did anything that I did that was really good, I'd never hear a word out of her. Um, and so, um, alcohol and drugs were the things that really got me going. And I also did this when I was uh, living with living there. Uh, I said, well, let's just forget, you know, forget it. I'll go out there and I'll get everybody to like me, okay? Which, which was very interesting because it, I learned how to manipulate people. I, I was able to do that. And uh, I'd become friends with, I'd do anything that anybody wanted me to do as long as they liked me. And, and so, you know, when I was later on in life, when somebody told me a person from, from high school couldn't stand me, I was just like totally blown away because I was like, nobody could not like me. <laughs> but okay, so when, the, when, uh, when in high school, um, I got a little better at um, dodging my mother. You know, physically, like I knew how to duck and I knew how to, how to you know, run away from her pretty fast. And then about, I, I guess when I was a sophomore or junior, I can't quite remember, uh, she stopped physically doing her thing. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't hit me anymore. And her and my sister were just like connected at the hip and there was nothing, nothing I could do that just could get in the middle of that. So when I graduate high school, I decide I'm going to go ahead and go as far as I can. And if I could have gone to Tahiti, I would have gone to Tahiti, but I went to California. And uh, how I got out there was I was in a competitive um, uh, activity, and the best people of the activity were out there in California. So that's what I decided to you know, use as the excuse to go out there. So I get out there. And um, now I'm free. I'm free of everything. And I went on to a really binge of sexual acting out. Major, major binge. And then what happened was I, I came out as a lesbian. I, th that was my thing. I, I came out. Um, I started playing softball. And uh, most of the girls on the team were were lesbians and so I sort of got in that realm and I figured out that was my thing because even in high school I didn't I didn't like people I didn't like guys uh I didn't like having sex with them and uh I just I just didn't like them and if they were really nice to me I really didn't like them <laughs> if, if I was if I was like, like um, they really cared about me, no, nah, no, nah, that doesn't work. And I'm pretty sure that comes from uh, me feeling as though if you're mean to me, you love me because my mom was like that. It was, you know, meanness was the way to go. And I, I lived like that for a very long time. And I'd get into these relationships with mean people. And if they, they stayed with me, that you know that was great be more mean to me and I it just filled me up totally because I was thinking they loved me um so um as time went on in California uh, I finished doing competitive stuff when I was 21 and um I I went ahead and moved upstairs from a bar I was still doing my drinking and drugging and actually I got a little more involved in drugs out in California the guy in the back apartment upstairs from the bar where I lived, he sold coke. 
uh, all the people I was hanging out with, they did all different kinds of, of drugs. If I didn't, if I had nothing to do, I'd go downstairs and drink. You know, there was, I remember waking up and, and waking up and on the steps and I would be, I'd be up at the steps and I'd be waking up with the sun going in my eyes. So I never made it into the apartment. That happened quite a few times. And then also what would happen is I'd wind up waking up and I'm next to a guy, a girl. It was always something like that. It was, it was like that a lot. Uh, friends of mine, about three of them got together and they did an intervention on me. And I had the opportunity to come down to Houston to teach what I was competitive in, uh, some marching band stuff. And uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to go. And, you know, what was really pushed me to going is that I owed the guy in the back a lot of money because he kept fronting me coke. And so I go ahead and I come on down to Houston and I start doing my teaching and um, make make a good money with it. My name was uh, quite, you know, everybody knew me because I was in the activities since I was nine, and um, and I had a name for myself. But so that I was, I started teaching down here. Um, I lived up in the spring area for quite a long time, and I. Um, I met a few women, but I was just like hanging out. I first started working at TGI Fridays, okay? Now, I never waited tables in my life. And so they opened up a Fridays up there in um, Greens Point. And, um, and I, I met up with somebody, a guy. I found out he, he, uh, he did a lot of drugs. I manipulated him, pulled him in. That was my, my, my action. I'd go ahead, um, manipulate them sexually, and then I'd pull him in. I mean, he had all, he had all that coke. I'd go, that, 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 that's top stuff there. I'll go ahead and go with a guy. And, um, and so that's, that's, that's how it went. I married the dude. He, uh, he, we stayed together for about seven years. And then I got in a relationship for 10 years with a woman. And this woman loved to abuse me physically. Loved it. And I loved it too. But I was like, I egged her on to be like that. And if she, she would, she would do a beating on me. And, and that, that was like heaven for me. You know, somebody being mean to me like that. So... What happened one night is I went out and I, I, I think she was cheating on me. I was thinking she was cheating on me. And I went to this party. Okay. I went to a party. And um, I, it, I was meeting my, my girlfriend there. And the girl that I thought she was cheating on me, it was just her and my girlfriend at the bar. So I decided I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm going to keep my eye on this. And, and... By the time we got to the third bar, I said, forget it. I'm going to drink. I couldn't stand it anymore. At the end of the evening, my girlfriend comes up to me and she, she grabs me. Let's go. We're going. And we go out. And um, I'm like, oh, what the hell's wrong with her? And I go ahead and she had her car. I had my car. I look in and, 
and she smacked me in the eye so bad. So now I'm pissed. I get in my car and I go out onto, this was up at 1960 in Kirkendall, and um, went out onto 1960 and a cop car came up behind me. And um, this was where, where this was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself for sure. And I was in jail three times prior to this because of my, my, I didn't have a DWI that was just like possession and stuff like that. Back then it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, it wasn't as big of a deal as it is now. And uh, I just, the, I, that was, God hit me in the head with a two by four. I uh, stopped, I, I got sober. And me getting sober, when I was about eight months sober, um, actually I got asked, the things that I had to do was I had to get a, an individual therapist and I had to get a group therapy. Well, I knew my company was paying for the individual, but my uh, idea, I'm going, Who, what can I do, you know, as a as group therapy? And what, what it was, was I, uh, I said, ooh, and my grandfather and grandmother were both alcoholics, my mom's mom and dad. Um, and I said, ooh, my grandfather, I go to AA. He sometimes would jump into AA every once in a while. And um, I went ahead and uh, went to AA. I started going to AA. So as time went on, you know, with the new therapist that I had, and I started going to therapy when I had when I was about eighteen. And when I got out to California, I started going to therapy, and I would sit there and bullshit these people. I would just make up all these different things when they were asking me. But this guy, I couldn't lie to. I just couldn't lie to this guy. He knew when I was lying, and I'm, I kept going. How do you know that? How do you know? How do you know I did? How do you know I'm not telling the truth? And uh, and so. Um, he, after about eight months, like I said, uh, I started getting a little more loose with him and started telling him more intricate things of my life, my mother, and uh, things that I was going through, and relationships that I was in, and he said, uh, I think you need to go to SLAA, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, and he was also in AA, and he was also in SLAA. But he goes, I think you need to go there. So I, I go ahead and, and go there. And this was in 2001, I go to SLAA. Now back then there were just, there weren't too many meetings. There, uh, there were no gender, they were all gender specific. So you had the men's meetings and the women's meeting, no co-ed meetings. And uh, we would only have like four, four meetings the whole, you know, the whole week, you know, four meetings, and two of them were on Saturday, and so, uh, so I, I kept going, and in the meantime, I start getting into these relationships that, that, like, I'm, I don't have a sponsor, and I'm not working the steps, but I start, I, I start seeing these people that it was the same pattern, but, but I was like, I was like going, um, let, that's okay. I can take this. No, this is my true love. No, the, uh, my manipulation wasn't working anymore. Okay. It's like, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, it, it just wasn't the same. And I had one girl, girlfriend that she, 
we'd break up and go back, break up and go back. And then we went to, uh, we went to, uh, she go, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to come back. And she goes, well, I'll go to therapy with you. And we go to therapy. And this girl's telling that my therapist, it was my therapist, and telling my therapist all this heavy, deep down stuff. And I'm like, after about the, the fourth time, I went, wow, you're doing really good in this, you know, this therapy. I mean, it's great that you're coming out and saying all this stuff. And she goes, oh, I'm just bullshitting. I'm, I'm, I'm just bullshitting. I go, I'm not going back there anymore. And I went, okay, that's that. And so, so it was like, okay. And I still didn't get a sponsor yet. Okay, so we're getting on to three years in SLAA. And, um, and what happens is that I, I got, I got, um, uh, and I, I, when I kept going it, it, with SLAA, and it was about three or four years I was in, and I got a relation, into a relationship with uh, somebody. They had five years the same as me in AA, and and I thought, oh, this is perfect. But I and I, I decided I'm going to wait a little bit to have sex, and I'll hold back a little bit. But that didn't work. I, you know, that didn't that do it. <laughs> Just, we're just two months later. I move in with her. Okay, I move in with her, and it 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 like everything was like she was the anorexic, and I was the love addict. You know, it was it was that's how it was for there. But it was like she she started changing, and it was like. I'm thinking it's me. I'm thinking, you know, it's you know, it's all about me. It's what what can I do to to make it better? And I, you know, I'm going. I'm talking with people about it. I'm going to the therapist, and he's he's like going, "You need to get out of that relationship." And it wasn't quite a year. Um, and my my AA sponsor goes, "I go well, I'll just stay living there." And he goes, "Oh." You're going to be okay living with her without having any kind of intimacy and sex. And I'm like, I'm like going, oh, okay. No, maybe I won't. And finally I tell her, I think I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to do this anymore. And she, she goes ahead and she's mad. She's really mad. And she goes ahead and hits me this one morning. And I okay, we're not doing that again. I'm not going through that again. And finally, from then on, I went ahead and got a sponsor, started working the steps, going to the meetings, and uh, everything everything changed for me. Everything was everything was different. Um, I, uh, I I started hanging out, doing more fellowship uh, because I wasn't really. I was just going to meetings before and then bolting. You know, I wasn't really sticking around and knowing people. And I, I got into a little group of, of friends, and um, we were great. We had a great fellowship going on, and everything changed for me. And then I started I started doing some service work. I started, um, I started like, just basically chairing meetings, um, leading meetings. Then I got involved in, in a group, and I was an in a group rep. And then I, from there, I got into the, being a delegate, 
for in, for in a group, and I was a delegate for four years. Four years, it was two, then a space, then two, and then I got onto a board committee, and now I'm on the board of uh, trustees. So, um, and you sponsor, and I sponsor. Oh my gosh! At one point, I sponsored. I was like at nine sponsees. <laughs> I was like going, "Stop it, PA!" And this is what I started recognizing. I started recognizing. Okay, why am I sponsoring so much? And I realized that I'm I'm probably avoiding going out and having a relationship. I'm avoiding it. This is how I I'm avoiding, you know, getting social. And it started getting hard for me to go out. And then I got to the point where a friend of mine, um, Sandy, is the one that um, said, "Hey." We got a, um, I'm on the CAC, which is the Conference Anorexia Committee for FWS. And she goes, I need, why don't you come on to it? Why don't you come on to it and everything? And so I started, you know, I got onto the, the Anorexic Committee. And uh, then I became the chair of the Anorexic Committee. And uh, I started realizing anorexic is the real thing that's going on. And a lot of people mistake anorexia for um, for like they they think that if they're they're going ahead and um, staying away, they're isolating. But anorexia is more like you uh, you get there. Like I'm more sexual. I'm not. I'm more sexually and um, and emotionally anorexic. Okay, social anorexia is. I don't really have that, but I can, I, I feel more comfortable in a big crowd than I do in a smaller crowd. And that's, that's part of, that's sort of so, social uh, anorexia, but I'm a better off with social. But me, I can't even cry. I, I have a problem crying. I, and you know why that is, is because my mother would always like, just wait for me to cry. She would beat to beat me until I would cry, and I would just like, eh, eh, you're not getting me to cry, and so it's hard for me to cry. And when I try to cry, there's a pain in my neck that is so bad because I'm trying to cry and nothing comes out, and that's still I ha- I'm still struggling with that today. And sexually, you know, I haven't been in a relationship in a long time. I think I had six years. And now I have 21 years, so I haven't been in, I haven't been in a relationship in a very long time. And but my sponsor and I um, are we're, we keep working on the anorexia, and I, I really believe that that was my my truly truly hard stuff. You know that that really was uh, I just froze up. You know with all the abuse that I got from my mother. And what I did was I used sex so that I wouldn't have to deal with intimacy. I mean, there's five. There's five things. You got you got the acquaintance. You got the uh, then you here's the order it's supposed to go in. You're the acquaintance, um, the friendship. Then it comes into friendship, and then you get intimacy. You start developing developing and recognizing intimacy in the friendship, and then you go into the. Um, you go ahead and um, ob- not obligate. What's the word? Um, 
you 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 make it you you go ahead and say that we're going to be together okay mm-hmm. then the the last thing is sexual intimacy now i would take the first one i'd go from 1 to 5 and forget the 3 in the middle hi let's have sex <laughs> who cares who you are you know as long as you're giving me some kind of attention we could go ahead and do that and forget about the whole other thing i started learning about intimacy because my therapist was was saying, I don't think you should be in any kind of uh, relationship until you can start feeling some intimacy and recognizing what intimacy really is. And um, the intimacy that what started happening is the friendships that I started having. When somebody would get, this is how it used to work for me. If somebody was mad at me, I'd run. I'd have the fear that I'm going to be hurt and I'd run from the relationship. But because I, you know, I think they wouldn't like me anymore. And so what I started finding out in the, in the fellowship, the friends that I had developed, like they would tell me what they didn't, if they didn't like what I did, and, and, and then they wouldn't run. They'd still be my friend. And that's how I figure out that's what intimacy is. You know, you, you, you just you just let it all out. Like I think I think in a couple relationship and I this is this is something that I'm sort of excited about if I do get in a relationship, that I think that I I can do this. I'm looking forward to when you have two people, the one goes does their thing, the other one goes to the other thing, and then they come together and share it. And I think that will be a great experience for me when it does happen. So um, now there's there's um, a few things that I wanna I wanna say um, that I've I've gotten out of the program and what has helped me. Um, the first thing is the how of the program, the honesty, open-minded, and willingness. Um, all three of those things. When I first when I first heard that, I went, "How? What is that?" And then then I wrote it down in my book. I wrote it down in my book, and I'll never forget the first time I heard it and how much I, I really liked it and I keep myself accountable with that kind of stuff. Um, my sister and I, had, after, you know, after I left home, my sister and I never had a relationship. After she did the suicide thing, tried to commit suicide, her personality completely changed. And um, cold, to this day she's very cold. And when I thought my, when my mom died, which was about three, four years ago, I went, oh, good, we're going to be friends. Me and my sister are going to be friends. And it didn't work like that. And I was even like going, screw it. I'm not going to mess with it. And, um, and then I said, no, I don't think that's right to do that. And now me and my sister do, we, we, we Zoom, we Zoom uh, once a week. And we talk about different things. We do it for about a half an hour. And that is so different in my life. I mean, that this is my family. She's my family, and I wasn't going to have anybody. But, you know, because of SLAA, I was able to sort of glide through and know where my part in it and what the right thing for me to do is. Um, I also stay in touch with my mom's sister. I used to call her the triangulator because she used to triangulate me and my mom's relationship with her. 
and um, boy, do I see my mother and her, but she's always very loving to me. She's a very loving mother. She, she always apologized that her and my uncles never did anything to stop my mother doing from what she was doing to me and my sister and brother, you know, to all of us. Um, uh, I follow the best things my mom gave me, and what it was was not to be like, uh, like her and get into acceptance because I, after a while, I was able to accept her for who she is because I tried controlling her, believe me. Um, I do a positive in inventory every day, you know, just not a negative one. I think of positive things. I treat people the way I would want to be treated. Uh, e integrity is very important to me, so I follow through with things I say I'm gonna do. Uh, the healthier I get, I attract healthier people. I have a sponsor and I talk, I talk to every week twice. Uh, I never stop going to meetings and that's one of the biggest things that I've gotten from both AA and SLAA. Don't stop going to meetings because you notice the people that, that do leave and come back, what was the first thing they did? They stopped going to meetings, okay? And, and I've watched these people in SLAA come in like all torn down and then they go ahead and get well. They start, they got a sponsor. They start feeling great. You could, they start doing some service work. And then all of a sudden they get in a relationship and out they go. And I said, I'm not doing that. That's, that I'm not doing. I'm not, I'm not, not going to do that. And so, um, but most of all, the gratitude I have for finding a higher power that has directed me to a better life by showing me peace and serenity through the 12 steps of SLAA. Also how to give back to what I uh, continue, continuously freely receive on a daily basis. I am involved in a lot of service work and um, been a big part of writing uh, conference approved literature for the anorexia and like I said before, I'm on the board of trustees, and this uh, this is my last year on it. I did three years on it, and what a great experience that was because that's a that's a tough job. Let me tell you, it was very tough to do, and I love doing uh, board committees. I'm a chair of the board um, programs and membership committee, I'm the liaison to the conference anorexia committee and the CDC, which is the conference diversity committee. Um, and if I could do it, do it again, um, anybody, you've got to do stuff like this because it's a great experience. Um, if you think you have a problem with this stuff, you are in the right place. So thanks for letting me share my story. And um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be of service. That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.